Hey everyone, just gonna wait here a second or two and let people come in to the session. <clears throat> As we learned last week, there's a little bit of a delay. So give a chance for people to get on board here. While people are filtering in, and I know that uh, some of you guys are going to be listening to this in the replay, a um, couple of housekeeping items that I want to cover. First of all, uh, Ben and Dorothy, uh, thanks for signing up for Holiday Chat 2020. Uh, that means that there are four spots left for everyone else out there who who may want to do it. So... Um, Holiday Chat, for those of you who don't know, is a one-hour consultation that I do um, at 66% um, off the regular price. Uh, the only catch is, is that I record it and I put it onto the podcast stream and the YouTube channel. So um, if you're interested in talking with me about whatever topic you want to talk about for an hour, um, in the show notes down below, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, or if you go over to davidcbarnett.com, over on davidcbarnett.com, there is a blog post pretty much up at the top with the link. So you pay $69, and then it sends you to Calendly, and you can book a time slot. Um, last week on Wednesday, I put out a video all about search funds. And the reason why <clears throat> I wanted to make sure I put out that video uh, when I did is because, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Sam Embo, the uh, private equity group guy who used to work with TorQuest Capital. During the interview I did with Sam, uh, the topic of search funds came up. So I wanted to release the search fund video first. So this Wednesday, this week, uh, the interview with Sam is going to be coming out where he's going to be talking about what he did at the, at the private equity group and, and how it kind of worked and how the fund works, et cetera. Um, and I think that's going to be a really, a really fun treat for you guys. Um, also a big reminder, um, if you don't want to be on the, you know, if you don't want one of those holiday chat recordings, but you want to listen to them, um, holiday chat recordings are always released to people who are in the email list. So basically it's how I get to take off my time between Christmas and New Year's instead of me having to. Um, do my daily emails every day throughout a period of time, which is traditionally pretty slow for me. Uh, what I do is every day to the email list is I release one of those holiday chat recordings. So for those of you who, who want to, you can listen in. Most of them are like an hour long. Some of them go a little bit longer. Some of them end a little bit shorter. Um, this year, I released them publicly. And if you look on the YouTube channel, there's actually a playlist called Holiday Chat Specials where you can listen to them now. I think they go back three years. I think this is the fourth year. Um, if you want to listen to those over the holidays, you have to be on the email list, which is at davidcbarnettlist.com. And easy, unsubscribe if you ever want to. But if you're not on the list, you can expect those calls to appear on the YouTube channel next summer. Now, um, look at that. I'm getting all of my housekeeping items cleaned up here. Um, I've got a question that was posted on the YouTube channel from... Um, Kevin Tran. And Kevin uh, is a young guy. And let me read the question that he wrote. And um, 
And after I answer Kevin's question, I want to mention a special I'm doing for Business Buyer Advantage for the month of December. And then I'll get into questions that you guys post in the uh, in the comment feed in the chat. So this is what uh, this is what Kevin commented. He said, "Hi, David. I want to know your input on younger people trying to buy a business. As a 22-year-old guy, are my chances reduced due to age discrimination? Possibly. Do I have a chance to buy a business at my age, or do I have to wait until I get older for more credibility?" Thanks, Kevin. I thought this was a fantastic. Um, I thought this was a fantastic question and it, it was posted about a week ago. So it's been kind of nibbling at the back of my mind. And yesterday on Sunday, um, I kind of realized what, you know, my subconscious was sort of talking to me about. And, and here's the thing is, is I feel a certain kinship with Kevin because I too once struggled for credibility with business sellers when I was a business broker, because I bought my business brokerage. I started to work at the brokerage in 2008 and I bought it in 2009 and I ran it until December of 2011. So we're getting pretty close to a full decade ago that, uh, that I was in the business. Now, what that meant was, is that I became a business broker when I was 33. And as you may realize, most people who want to sell a business are 50s, 60s, 70s, right? And so Kevin's expressing that he feels he's a little bit young at 22. I felt that way when I was 33. And I'll let you know how I dealt with that. I had to dig in the closet, but I got this box of stuff, okay? Because what, what I did is, of course, I had an office as a business broker. And what I did is I tried to cover every square foot of space on my walls with stuff that showed that I knew what I was doing, right? So it was almost like a European art museum. Um, I had various diplomas from the two universities I attended. I had stuff from like, you know, when I became a member of the Neb Institute, when I became a certified machinery and equipment appraiser, um, I have the rest of the numbers somewhere, but this hasn't been on my wall since 2014. Um, I have even stuff that didn't quite say that I was a business broker. Like here's a recognition certificate I got from the Kiwanis club, clearly showing that I'm a good guy. Right. And so what I did is I put up all this stuff on the walls, honestly, to try to compensate for the fact that I was worried that these business owners would come in and meet me and worry that I wasn't qualified to take care of them. So I set that down. So here's here's the thing that happened though, is that I would meet these people and sometimes they would look around and see all this stuff and other people didn't care. But they would ask me about selling their business and I would start to explain the process that we use and I would start to explain my background and I would start to explain what they could expect from the process. And it was through listening to me talk about what they were going to go through and sort of demonstrating that I could provide leadership and guidance through this process that people would develop a confidence in me and they'd want to do something with me. So I don't necessarily think Kevin, it's the age that is the, the issue. So then what is it? So as I was thinking about the stuff in the closet and I was thinking about your question, I started to think, Hmm, 
did I have any 20-somethings that bought businesses when I had my brokerage office opened? And have I helped any 20-somethings buy businesses in the last little while through the way I help people now, through doing consulting? And the answer is yes. I have had people that are in their 20s who have bought businesses. And they were always able to make a deal happen in the same way that everybody else does, which is that they were able to make a positive impression on the seller and they were able to create a relationship with the seller. And what does that come from? Like what, what were they able to say or do that helped the seller realize, hey, this is a person who's gonna be good at taking over my business. Um, and while I stewed on that question, I then thought to myself, were there older people who business owners simply didn't trust to be the buyer of their business? And there were, and let me tell you a story. So there was a business, it was a building materials business and they imported this product from Europe. And the, the fellow who owned the business was from Europe and he was familiar with the product over there. He immigrated to Canada and realized that there was a use for this product here. So he started to start a business and he started selling it here. And then he got to the point where he wanted to retire. And, and so he went looking to sell the business and he contacted me. And it was one of the first good sized businesses that I had sold. Now, when I was working on selling that business, I actually found three different buyers. And one of the buyers was an accountant. Uh, another buyer was a guy who grew up who's de- in, in a family where his dad was a home builder, a contractor. He had gone on to have several different careers in sales and had run several businesses of his own. And at the time he, he met us, he was, I think he had a job, uh, but he had run a several other businesses. And then there was a guy who was a welder who had been a welder his whole life and had always worked in bigger outfits and places like uh, maybe where there was a union, that kind of environment. And the three different buyers all made offers on this business. And the interesting thing is, is that the, the fellow who had run businesses before, who had had the different sales job and who grew up, you know, as a teenager working as a laborer on his father's construction sites, he made the lowest offer. And the seller chose his offer ahead of the other offers, which were for more money. Why? Because all three offers asked the seller to finance part of the deal. And the seller believed that that guy was the one with the right experience and knowledge to be able to operate the business successfully. So that's who he chose to be the buyer. And the guy who was the welder was probably 45 or 47 years old. So he was older but it didn't really create any greater degree of confidence for the seller because the seller didn't see in him a set of experiences and knowledge that he thought were going to be applicable to running the business. So let me circle back, Kevin, to your situation because I was thinking about myself when I was your age. And when I was 22, I had just finished uh, university and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I started a business with a friend. And it was a a publishing business. We put out this cool like arts and music and local scene newspaper. It came out every two weeks. It was usually 12 pages. It was like a small tabloid format, um, kind of modeled on the Montreal Mirror or um, there's a cool one like that in New York City too. And then a lot of big cities have these sort of scene papers. And back then it was sort of pre-internet 
you know, you didn't, we didn't have internet on our phones or anything like that. So if you wanted to know what bands were playing on a Friday night, you would pick up one of these publications. So we would um, print the, the newspaper. I was in charge of doing ad sales. So I went out and I talked with bar owners and club owners. And, and I was like, I was your age. I was 22, 21 years old. And I never really done any sales training. And I managed to figure out how I could present sort of a value to them. And they saw what the publication was doing for the scene. And they saw that if they advertised their events, they'd get more people. And, you know, some of the ads were really, really cheap. And my partner at the time, he was in charge of the editorial stuff. So he was like laying out the paper on his computer and he was doing that kind of thing. And then he met a girl and moved to Toronto and left me high and dry. Like I didn't have a business anymore because I didn't know that other stuff. And so what I did is I went and I applied for a job at the Yellow Pages and um, they hired me. And one of the reasons why they hired me and they didn't normally hire people that were only 22 years old. But one of the reasons the Yellow Pages hired me was because they saw the initiative that I had put in to create that little newspaper business. And the fact that I went out and talked with business owners, you know, without being afraid and made sales. And they thought, well, here's a guy who's not afraid to go out and talk to people or pick up the phone. We could probably train him and he could be great. And I was. And for years, um, I won awards either for the top place or the second place in the different categories that I was working when I was with Yellow Pages for about seven years. And that was probably the most formative career that I ever had because I was able to go around and meet business owners and managers and find out how different businesses worked. And a lot of the common knowledge I have today about all different kinds of businesses and how they work come from that time. Because I was always asking people, you know, how do you make money? What kind of customers do you want, et cetera? So when, when I think about by the time I got to 33, I had run the newspaper business. I had worked in Yellow Pages. Um, I had left Yellow Pages. I started the junk removal company, which I ran for two years. And then after the junk removal company, I did the debt uh, brokerage business where I was doing commercial mortgages and bank loans and lines of credit and factoring facilities for different people. And so even though I felt like I was too young, I didn't, you know, I didn't have enough gray hair. There's actually a product called Touch of Gray for men, for guys who want to look older. But even though I didn't have the gray if I had the chance to talk to people, it was probably very easy for them to see that I was confident and I was knowledgeable and I knew what I was talking about. So do I think that being 22 is a disadvantage to being a business buyer? I don't think the age is as important as what you've done with your time. And at 22, I know you haven't had a lot of time to do a lot of things. And so I would be number one concerned about what would happen if you did buy a business? And do you have the skills to be able to operate it? Do you have enough experience and knowledge in, in whatever domain that business is gonna be in to be able to execute? And my, my guess is, is that you've probably had a few jobs, but maybe you haven't managed a business yet or anything like that. So I would honestly say that you should be trying to put your efforts towards uh, working your way up to a management position where you supervise other people, the ideal would be a place where you manage your own P&L, <clears throat> manage your own income statement, where you're responsible for the revenues and you're responsible for the expenses 
and you have to deliver a certain level of profitability to the owners of the business, that would be ideal because that's literally on the job business ownership training. At the very least, you wanna be in a position where you manage other people. Another great way to go at it is similar to the path that I took, which is through doing some kind of sales role. It's amazing to me today how few people wanna actually talk to other people. They all wanna do things online. They Nobody wants to talk to someone on the phone. Nobody wants to make cold calls. Nobody wants to be given a list of 500 businesses and try to have conversations with those people or go out and knock on doors and talk to people. But it's through that never ending string of rejection and dejection and criticism and getting yelled at sometimes and chased out of places that you build resiliency and you learn what's important and what's not. And you can kind of find your own path without requiring the approval of other people, which is something the education system trains you from the time you're five years old is to get it right. So the teacher tells you, you got it right and you get a gold star. You have to, you have to shed yourself of that. Anyway, um, Kevin, I hope that was useful. Um, you really took me down a little trip down memory lane there, which was kind of fun. Um, for those of you who wanna know about the Business Buyer Advantage special, here's what I'm doing for from now, from the it's retroactive, from the beginning of December, for people who've been buying it for the last week, until Christmas, what I've done is I've put the recording of my March 2020 live presentation in Toronto in there as a bonus. And anyone who signs up during the month of December is going to be invited to a live Q&A session that I'll host over Zoom on December the 28th. So you will get to uh, meet me live, ask any questions you have about the program material, and, um, and listen in as other people ask other questions as well. So I wanted to give us something a little bit extra for the Christmas time of year. And... Um, Hey, let's uh, let's get at some of these questions that people have put in there. Don't forget, if you're enjoying the video, please hit the like button. It's really important for the YouTube algorithm. Uh, Prince Carl. Prince Carl is in the house. I see that he says, you've empowered me to start a trucking logistics company. Thanks for being real. Can you give more specific examples of success and failure? Yeah. Wow. Um, can I give more specific examples of success and failure? What, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to line up some great people who are going to come and talk as guests on the YouTube channel to talk about entrepreneurs who need to pivot because looking at what's coming out in the statistics as far as what's happening for people who've been affected by the, the rules around uh, the virus, um, there are a lot of people out there who are very entrepreneurial who may not be able to, you know, stay on track. And so I want to bring some people on who've had, you know, near death business experiences, um, who've had been forced to do some kind of pivot to sort of create some inspiration and give some ideas for some people who may be feeling a little bit down right now um, with what's going on. I know that, you know, my definition of success, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on a live stream, is not only staying open, but also taking home enough money to represent a fair wage for the work that you're doing all the time. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who are working crazy hours and they're not doing that because they're trying to throw their labor into the business just to keep the doors open to survive until things turn around. And now with all the talk of a vaccine, basically right around the corner, 
there are a lot of people who who feel that they just have to make it a little bit longer and everything's going to be okay. Um, I'm not certain about that. I know that it's going to take an awful long time for uh, you know enough people to take the vaccine. I know that a lot of people uh, don't want to take the vaccine. Um, I'm worried that even after the vaccine starts to circulate, it's still going to take a long time for traditional retail work, commuting patterns, et cetera, to go back to the way they were if they ever do. Um, so I, I think the problems that we're having in the economy are going to be with us for uh, quite a bit longer than until a vaccine becomes available. Um, any other questions, guys? Any other comments? Does anyone know where I got this mug? All right. Well, it was good to see you guys. Um, hopefully the live stream is working and I'm not just talking to Carl. But <laughs> uh, last week I had Rick on and we ended up with that weird like 20 second delay loop of audio. We did figure out what the problem is and it won't happen again, I promise. And so with that, We'll see you later. Thanks so much, Kevin, for submitting that question. And stay tuned on Wednesday on the live stream. Um, we're going to get that interview with Sam Ambo, who worked at the private equity group. And with that, I'll say see you later. Have a great night, guys.